Happy Tuesday, everybody. What's up, y'all? Hey, as Isaac mentioned, my name's Thomas. I'm excited to get to hang with y'all tonight. Uh, I'm on the staff team here. I work here with the table. And yeah, I'm excited to get to share one of my favorite axioms with y'all tonight. As he mentioned, we're going to be continuing in our series axioms, sharing what we call truths that we live by, right? These truths that we live by. Now, I'm excited to get to share wine with you, um, but to set it up, allow me to just share a little story to give you some context behind this axiom first, okay? So, a little about me. I was a pretty good student growing up in school. I don't really like to brag, you know, but I consider myself a fairly smart person. I was a good student. Uh, I got good grades, and there was a core reason for it, a core motivation that I had to get good grades. It was not uh, to make my parents proud. It was not because I just wanted to see A's on a report card, right? No, there was a much deeper, just core motivation there for why I had good grades, and it was this, okay? In my hometown of Greenville, South Carolina, the Krispy Kreme donuts there would give you a free donut for every A on your report card, right? I don't know, did anybody else's Krispy Kremes do this? Yeah, a few? Yeah, this was my core motivation. Not any sense of pride or anything. It was purely because I wanted free donuts. And I knew that if I did well in school and if I worked hard and studied, I could get to a point where I would get an A on my report card and I could go to Krispy Kreme. And if I did really well and got straight A's, I could pick out six donuts, any kind I wanted, for free, free of charge, have all the bragging rights, didn't have to share. Like, these are mine, not y'all's. That was what I lived for, right? That was huge for me as a kid. And it was quarterly. There's four report cards a year, right? So if I did the math correctly, which I did because I'm a good student, right? I could get 24 free donuts a year. This was huge, right? For me, this was like, I'm the different nuggets about to win the NBA championship. These donuts are my NBA championship, okay? These donuts were huge. Uh, sorry if there's any Miami Heat fans in the room, but yes, these donuts were huge for me. Um, Eventually, the Krispy Kreme stopped giving out these donuts. They probably gave too many away. They stopped doing this. I was pretty sad, but the damage was already done, and I was now a good student, so there's, I had no other choice but continue to get good grades, right? But I did it now because I had this sense of value attached to it. I had this sense of pride, right, that I now was a good student. I now got straight A's, right? I had this, this sense of pride. And what I didn't realize is that this was actually my first experience with the idea of merit, the idea of a merit-based system, right? I worked really hard, worked really hard, studied, practiced all this stuff, got to this point where now I was a good student and I received some sort of reward or value for it, Um, a merit-based system. And this was pretty core for me, uh, informed the way I viewed the world, informed a lot of times the way I viewed my faith. And I think this is true for a lot of us, right? Because these merit-based systems are everywhere in society around us. They're everywhere in the world around us. Uh, We can think of it this way. There's gonna be a scale on your screen here Merit-based systems are basically, there's a scale of some sort of activity or thing you do in life. On one side, there's not enough, right? This is typically when you're a beginner. And so in this scale, you work and you work and you work. Uh, You'll see on the next slide, it says you work and you work and you work. And until you get to this point where now all of a sudden you are enough, you have made it, right? You have some sort of value. You're a good student, you've made it. Um, And now because of that, you get to participate in the reward. Whatever the result is for that good work, you've worked enough, you're now enough, you get the rewards, you get the accolades. So for me, as a student, I mentioned this was donuts, uh, or it could be a good report card, whatever it was. Uh, I went from being a bad student to working hard to now I was a good student, right? 
maybe for you, it's not necessarily school, maybe you weren't the greatest in school, but you were really good at sports. So for you, it was, you started off as a bad athlete, you didn't really know what you were doing, but you practiced, you worked hard, you trained, and now all of a sudden you're a good student, or a good athlete. Um, now you're winning games, you're getting trophies, you're getting picked for the all-star team in Little League, you know. Now you're a good athlete and you get to reap the benefits. Maybe it's work, maybe this is where you identify with it, right? In our jobs, we start off as bad employees, say what you will, we're all bad employees when we start, right? <laughs> None of us know what we're doing, we're all bad employees. Um, but we know that if we wanna do well, we need to work, we need to learn, we need to ask questions, so we work and we work and we work, till all of a sudden, we're now a good employee and we're getting considered for promotions and we're getting pay raises, we're getting merit-based pay increases, right? Now all of a sudden, we are a good employee. This is everywhere, this is everywhere. And I think because this is everywhere, we often apply this to how the, the way that we view our salvation, where we tend to take this merit-based system and apply it to salvation to where we think, at first I'm a bad person, right? I start off as a bad person, and I'm doing these bad things, and I need to work hard and do enough good things, uh, produce enough good works in my life to where all of a sudden God likes me, he's happy with me now, and I've made it. Now I'm a good Christian, right? I did it. I did a good job. I'm now a good Christian. I get to reap the benefits of salvation and go to heaven, right? That's often how we view our salvation, and, that, and uh, often the way we view our faith. But here's the flaw with this idea. Here's the flaw with this merit-based system. What happens when we screw up? Right? What happens when we as Christians mess up? Let me ask you this question. What, what do you think happened the first time I got a B on a report card? And now all of a sudden, I didn't get a free donut. I felt like crap, right? I felt like I was now worthless, I had no worth, I was a terrible human being, and I had to work super hard to get back to it, right? And you'll see this on your next screen. When we mess up as a Christian, or when we mess up as an employee, or a student, or whatever it may be, we feel like we've now moved backwards to the other side, that we are no longer enough, so we better step up our game, work harder, work harder, do better, in order to work our way back to the good side, right? To the enough side. We better read our Bible enough, pray enough, get enough verses memorized, to now all of a sudden, we're a good Christian again. We work our way back to the cross. And the flaw in this is that we perform, 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 achieve, 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 do all these things, and yet all it takes is one little slip up to send us back to the other side, and it turns us into one of two options. One, we're either perfectionistic, where we feel like perfection's the standard, if you ain't first, you're last, you better catch up, keep doing things, as soon as you mess up, you're now worthless, and you better work even harder to get there, and you're just never satisfied. Or, maybe this is you, it leaves you hopeless, where, there's no point of you in studying, right? My grades are never gonna be the best. I'm never gonna get straight A's, so why even try? Why even put effort into it? I'm never gonna be a good Christian, so why even do good things, right? The, the bar for being a good Christian or the bar for being enough is so far away that I'm not gonna bother trying, right? This is what it looks like for us to work to the cross, where we feel like we have to work and work and work in order to earn this thing and be a good person and make God happy with us. This is what it looks like to work to the cross, but the truth is the opposite, and that's the axiom that we're gonna talk about tonight. And it's this, it'll be on your screen, sir. We work from the cross, not to the cross. We work from the cross, not to the cross. 
So this is the truth that we're gonna talk about tonight. And uh, y'all can go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me. We'll be in Ephesians chapter two. It'll be on your screen here as well. We're gonna be Ephesians two, verses four through 10. And Ephesians two says this. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Okay, so this is kind of a beefy text. There's a lot of prepositions in there, right? A lot of uh, in Christ and for Christ and all these things. It's kind of a beefy text, so I'm gonna try and simplify it down for us into just two little things that I'd like for us to notice from this passage. First one's this. Grace gets us to the cross. There's no amount of works that can get us to the cross. There's nothing we can do to earn it. Uh, Paul says, it's by grace you have been saved, not not through your own doing, but a gift from God, right? There's no amount of work that we can do get, to get there. And so our, our scale of being enough changes and it looks a little bit like this. Where on one side, we start off dead, right? It says we were all dead in our trespasses. So we start off from the moment we're born dead, spiritually dead. And the only way that we can move to life is through the grace of Jesus Christ, right? Through the grace of God who uh, loved us so much that he chose rather than to leave us in a state of not being enough, chose to make us enough by sending his son to die for us and take on our sins and sacrifice himself, be buried and resurrected in order to conquer death, right? The only way that we can move from death to life is through the grace of Jesus Christ. And why is this? Paul tells us why. Why is this? So no one can boast, right? There's nothing we can do in this. There's no credit that we get for this. We don't get any of the glory here. Um, we don't get to, we get to reap the reward, but we don't get any of the praise that comes along with it. And, and to go back to, um, my analogy of school, right? Uh, because I was a good student, one thing that I always hated in school was when we had group projects, right? Anybody else? Anybody else? And I'm sure y'all know why. Y'all know why we hate group projects, right? Because there's always that one person in the group who does absolutely nothing and yet they still get to contribute or they still get to participate in the results at the end of getting a good grade. And as people like me, the good student, where it's now my responsibility to put in double the work for this person who has done done absolutely nothing, right? Uh, And if you're not mad about this, if you're not as mad about this as I am right now, it's probably because you're the one who did nothing, right? right? But we we hate when people get to participate in results for doing nothing, for something they didn't do, right? We hate it when this happens, and yet when it comes to salvation, that's us. When it comes to the group project of salvation, we are the partner that does absolutely nothing. We are just coasting along, taking the credit at the end, trying to take the credit at the end, right? Uh, and participating in the results where we have received grace, and now we are saved. But in reality, the only response that we can have in that moment is to just be thankful for this awesome partner who decides to carry us along with him and not only uh, allows us to participate in the credit, but also encourages us and grows us and moves us forward, right? Our only response is to praise him. So 
one last quick little thing to note about grace before we move on to the next section here. Uh, Tyler, you can actually go back to the slide. You notice um, grace, this arrow of grace moves all the way forward. It doesn't just stop at salvation here. And that's because when you screw up as a Christian, you don't move back to the other side, right? When Jesus died for us, his grace was sufficient to cover not only our past and present sins, but our future ones as well. And what that means is when we mess up and in a merit-based system, we would lose all our worth and value, we actually stay on the alive side, on the side that has value, uh, because that grace covers us and keeps us moving forward, right? And so there's no working backwards toward the cross. There's no retroactive moving backwards in order to justify the mistake we made. And so the only way, if we can't move backwards, the only way we can move is forward. And this is where works comes into the situation. The second thing to notice is this. Works move us forward from the cross. Works move us forward from the cross, right? Works cannot justify our salvation, but they move us forward to grow in our salvation. Um, As we move forward, God works in us to make us more like himself. So it says in verse 10 on your screen here, uh, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And what this means, what Paul is telling us here is that at our salvation, we are set apart and are now a new creation. We are a new creation who is made for good works that God has separate, or set for us because he wants us to grow in his likeness. He wants us to grow closer to him, right? And the reason that we do these things is so that we can just learn how to be more like Jesus, So these good works, these good works can include kind of some of the typical things you might think of, reading your Bible, praying more, memorizing scripture, uh, serving in your local church, serving in missions, all these things that when you're sitting at home and you're just kind of feeling bad about yourself and you see your Bible a little dusty laying over there on the counter and you're like, man, I really need to, uh, I really need to do that more, right? The truth is you do need to do that more, right? You do need to read your Bible more. You do need to pray more. These are good things that God has created for us and we should be doing them. But it's not out of disappointment, right? God is not unhappy with us sitting there uh, trying, like a guilt-tripping parent trying to be like, hey, you remember when I saved you? No, God is not trying to uh, guilt-trip you into doing things for him. But actually, the very fact that you are telling yourself, I need to do these things more, that's evidence of God working in your life, right? That's evidence of growth and of God changing you to be more like him. Because you know who else read his Bible and prayed and served? Jesus. Yes, congratulations. You are all being like Jesus because you are desiring to read your Bible more and pray more and serve more. These are all good things. Good works are not also limited to these things though. There are, um, they're not limited to these sort of religious practices that we Uh, throw into our life and an otherwise worldly life, right? Good works also encompass the everyday things that we do, the normal things we're doing as we go about our day. Good works involve the way that you spend time with your coworkers, the way that you talk to your friends, the way that you uh, talk to your relation or your significant others, right? Good works also involve your attitude as you're going into work or the way that you take a test to the best of your ability for you students out there, right? All of our life is integrated into our faith and the way that we live out these day-to-day interactions is a result of the good works that God is doing in us and they serve to glorify God as well. So lean in here for me real quick. Maybe, maybe you haven't uh, read your Bible in a few weeks. Maybe it's been a while since you prayed. 
Maybe you've been just feeling really bad about yourself, feeling like, yeah, I don't think I'm enough as a Christian. I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing a good enough job. But you saw your coworker the other day who was feeling a little bit sad and you decided to say a kind word to encourage them. Or you decided to invite a friend here tonight because you wanted them to get to participate in this cool thing you do on a Tuesday night. Maybe you got cut off in traffic the other day and past you would have laid on the horn until it stopped working and would have let off a slew of profanity and made sure that they knew they were in the wrong, right? But knew you decided to just let it go. Let it go, right? That's not me. I don't do that. No. But lean in here. Hear this from me. You are doing a good job. Middle section right here. You are doing a good job. Over here. You guys are doing a good job, right? You have worth and you have value and you are enough because the, the love and grace of Jesus Christ made you enough, made you alive in him, covered your sins, and is now working in you to make you more like him and to grow you in him. And for that fact alone, you have worth, you are enough, you are doing a good job, right? The bottom line here, if you have accepted the gospel, you are enough. Let me tell you uh, a little bit of the irony of this sermon real quick. The irony of this sermon is that a few days ago, I was incredibly stressed out about this sermon, right? <laughs> I was uh, going through this sermon on Sunday night. I was reading through what I had, and I was like, ah, this, this isn't good. I need to rearrange this. I need to cut out this portion. I need a closing story here. Uh, I need to change all of this because it's just terrible and it's not good enough and my works just kind of suck in general. None of this is good, right? I was incredibly stressed. And yesterday happened to be my wife's birthday. Shout out Kathy, happy birthday. And because it was her birthday, I chose to do no work and be a good husband and celebrate my wife. And so we went to the beach and we had a great time and I'm super glad that I didn't do any work and got to just enjoy the day. Um, and it was great. We had a great time. But also because of that, when I came into work this morning, I was even more incredibly stressed because I was showing up and I was like, I have a message to preach tonight and it is not very good, right? <laughs> if y'all didn't like this message, don't tell me. Talk to, talk to Isaac. But I was incredibly stressed this morning. And it wasn't until I realized that this message that I was preaching was preaching to myself that I was able to relax a little bit. Because you all see the irony here, right? I'm preaching a message about uh, works and grace and how my works aren't uh, the basis for my salvation and my value does not come from my works and my works are good enough and I'm good enough and I'm doing a good job, you know, af telling myself my daily affirmations, right? Uh, I was preaching, or preaching this sermon and writing this sermon and the whole time I'm stressed about this sermon not being good enough, right? That's the irony of the sermon, and yet it wasn't until I was able to realize that and take a beat, relax a little bit, spend some time in prayer, preach the sermon to myself a little bit, that I was able to realize that I am enough and the quality of my sermon does not change anything about the biggest problem in my life that's already been taken care of in Jesus. And I was able to enjoy this good work that God had created in me and used me to do for others, right? Growth takes time. As you can see, I've been a Christian for 16 years and I still struggle with this. Growth takes time. But as you continue to work and do good works for God and rest in his grace, he will continue to change you and grow you and use you and you will find joy and you will find freedom in the process. 
So quick little summary here before we head to our groups. Two things that you can do to work from the cross, not to the cross. Two little things you can do. Number one, give your life to Jesus. Easy, right? Yeah. Give your life to Jesus. This is the first thing. If you have not done this yet, nothing else that I've talked about matters. There is no uh, works. There's no producing good works. There's none of this stuff matters until you have given your life to Jesus. This is a great thing to talk about in your groups. We're going to have some questions around this. Feel free to talk about in your groups or feel free to find myself or Isaac or Dana or any one of our hosts here. We would love to talk to you about this. The key thing to remember in this, let Jesus do the work, right? Let Jesus do the work. Number two, live your life for Jesus. Allow Jesus to grow you and change you, to change the way you view yourself, to change your mindset, and allow him to change uh, the way that you view the daily, normal, everyday activities that you do, right? Because these, these everyday activities are a series of interconnected good works that serve to glorify him. If you're looking for just a small, tiny, little, easy next step, one little practical thing you can do to do a good work, uh, take something that you already enjoy doing. We all have different talents, skills, abilities. Take something you already enjoy doing and go do that for God. Go glorify God while doing that, right? If you are good at fixing things, if you're a handyman, go serve at Habitat for Humanity. Go help your little neighbor down the street who doesn't know how to change a light bulb, right? <laughs> go do these things for God. If you have musical talent, come join the worship team. Go talk to Cole after this. We would love to have you up here. If you are good at sports and you like playing sports, go play sports, right? Go play sports and just find ways to tell people about Jesus while you're out there playing sports. These are easy little next steps of things we do in our everyday life that we can use to glorify God. So whatever you do, if you have accepted God's sacrifice, just know and accept his grace and know that you are doing it for his glory you are doing a good work and he is going to grow you and use you in the process, okay? Okay, we'll have some questions on the screen here. Feel free to uh, take a photo of them. We're gonna head to our groups here in just a minute and we'll talk about them. But let's go ahead and close in prayer, okay?